coming up on this episode. Kevin has some news about the Hong Kong Film Awards, also a Hong Kong International Film Festival update, and The Running Man in China. And a bit later, I'll be talking about the first Hong Kong film of 2015, The Gigolo. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of East Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong, China, and other parts of Asia. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his news desk at a human sushi bar in Soho is Mr. Kevin Ma. Yeah, hi. Uh, we do talk about the naked kind, right? <laughs> is there or any not? other kind? <laughs> I, I don't know, because, you know, they can... We're close or something. Yeah. Uh, how how are you, Paul? I'm fine. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm I'm good. Busy, but but good. All right. So if that uh, little intro hasn't already given your uh, your uh, censorship warnings a little bit of buzz, uh, let us let it be said that we are going to be talking about a category three movie a little bit later. Um, so for uh, for the youngins in the room, uh, things might get a little bit. Uh, uh, adult, we might say. Uh, we'll try to keep it toned down as much as possible, but we are talking about uh, a Category 3 film in Hong Kong. These are considered softcore films to some extent, of, you know, various degrees. Um, so we will be mentioning things for adult ears only. So if you have little ones around, you might want to save this podcast uh, episode for uh, a later time. Yeah, but, speak but, for yourself, Paul. You, you're doing, we're doing Category 3 film, and we don't have a rating on iTunes yet, so I'm going nuts. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we get into doing any of that, uh, how have you been, sir? I mean, this, uh, we are now in February at the time of this recording. Um, a little bit of cold weather going on. We've got the holidays pressing down on us. Yeah, um, and lots of movies opening. Um, not not. And last week, I know we covered a few new films, and not enough, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, because it's near Oscar time, and all the Oscar contenders from last year, they're all opening up before the new New Year rush. So I'm trying to rush to watch movies, do all my freelance work, and of course doing news duty on uh, on Film Business Asia, and of course having a day job. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts around yeah, here. So is this, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that. So for people who don't know, um, you have a regular day job where you yes. work at a movie-related uh, company, I guess is the best way to describe Start to, it. Start right? yes. Yeah, and, and ends with... Ends with Asia. Asia, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you do that, but you also do um, freelance reporting, um, and you work for Film Biz Asia. And so how... Is this like your peak season because we've got, you know... Um, awards both in the West and in the East going on. We've got a bunch of holiday movies coming on. I mean, do you have a peak season for news and, and the stuff that you do uh, at Yes Asia? Well, a slight correction is that, yeah, um, well, Yes Asia is always continuously busy because there's always products coming out, but you're right, because in Hong Kong, it's near the New Year, and when the New Year rolls around, people uh, or distributors, they publish more local films or more films because people like to stay at home during the holidays. So we've had quite a big 
release week in terms of Hong Kong edition stuff, and um, that means you know mostly new Hong Kong films or the Hong Kong films that from last fall, meaning like Don't Go Breaking My Heart, you got Rise of the Legend, those are the two big releases, A Golden Era, those are all coming up next couple of week, uh, week or two. Uh, so that's one thing. But in terms of, uh, I also do um, a freelance translation work for films, um, which I'll talk about a little bit later when we talk about the Hong Kong Film Awards. But yeah, um, translation work, that's kind of a, before every major film market, you get more companies, they're going to take their scripts or take their films to go sell, so they're trying to finish them. So i kind of on a roll in terms of uh, translation work. And of course, for Film Business Asia, where I work as a reporter, uh, whenever there's a huge uh, near the time for uh, uh, film award season and uh, big film festivals, then there are a lot of news coming out because the fest- festivals put out a lot of press releases. So um, it, that's in addition to the weekly box office stuff that I already write. So right now there's Berlin, and then right after Berlin is Hong Kong. Right after Hong Kong is Beijing. After Beijing is Cannes, Cannes then Shanghai, and then you got the announcement for Tokyo. Um, uh, there's your, your European festivals like Locarno <laughs> so, and Busan and it's, just, yeah, it's kind of a year round thing now because there's so many film festivals happening around the world yeah I mean we've talked about that before about you know just the sheer number of uh, events both large and small that seem to just come you know one month after the next month after the next month and for the average film goer it can be sometimes overwhelming to try and keep up with a lot of this stuff yeah, it's the, the the films don't actually reach regular cinemas until like a good seven eight months. Like for example, we're still getting films from from Cannes last year opening in cinemas, and I'm not just talking about Hong Kong. I'm talking about in the United States as well, or in around the world. Um, so yeah, it's very difficult unless you're like a professional. You really can't follow all the films. Uh, they're they're premiering at the major festivals around the world. Um, like right now, the films you hear about next week playing at Berlin, uh, you probably won't hear about them until maybe the next half a year later or so when they actually finally start opening in cinemas. So um, for me to have to follow all this like constantly, 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 like Rotterdam just just, just wrapped and then it's already Berlin. So to, to, to just follow this constantly is, is can be quite exhausting on a day-to-day basis. Well, the rest of us will just have to live vicariously through your uh, jet-setting film festival hopping lifestyle. <laughs> that one, there is no vicarious living, and two, I only, unfortunately, because of the yes, uh, and end with Asia company job, I I don't actually go to that many festivals. Uh, I'm I'm mainly grounded in Hong Kong. I think I'm grounded in Hong Kong till May, even though you know I'm going on vacation uh, of a short vacation next month. But that's a personal thing. I don't actually go too much film festivals these these two years. Well, we hope that uh, we'll have some more uh, check-ins from you about the coming festivals and some of the other stuff in the near future on future shows. For now, though, I think it's time to turn over to Kevin at the news desk. Yes, um, some news pieces this week, and um, and just Hong Kong alone already got two big pieces of news. Um, today is uh, February 5th, uh, on Thursday, and that's... Right, we cu- we just had the um, Hong Kong Film Award nominations come out this afternoon. So when you're hearing this, it's probably about a couple of days late, so you probably know about all this. Um, but yeah, here it's still fresh and still fresh out of the oven and still hot. Um, so covering um, this year's major nominations, Overheard 3, 
uh, leads with 11 nominations, including uh, two Best Supporting Actor nominations for Alex Fong Jong-sun and, and who's the other one? Kenneth Jung. Uh, of course, your, your, your typical Best Picture nomination, Best um, Director, Best Screenplay, um, a bunch of technical awards, and of course, Lao Sheng won for Best Actor. Uh, the second most nominated film is The Golden Era, the Anhui biopic of Chinese writer Xiao Hong. Uh, Paul, did you get a chance to see this one? Um, no, is that the one that's up for the longest film of the year award? This is. It runs three hours and like what, three hours and eight minutes or something like that. Yeah, that that film because it's an Anhui film uh, got ten nominations, and we talk about the major ones, including best director, best film, Tan Wei for best um, actress, uh, Hao Lei for best supporting actress. Um, Best screenplay or typical uh, technical awards because it's a very expensive period film. So we got all those two. Um, Rise of the Legend. Here's kind of a surprise. Rise of the Legend, the Wong Fei Hong reboot, also got 10 nominations. However, it did not get any of the major uh, nominations. It did not get best film. It did not get best director. It did not get best screenplay. However, star Eddie Pang, um, who once again buffed up for the role of Wong Fei Hong, uh, got a best actor nomination. I believe it's his first best actor nomination. Last year, he was nominated for Unbeatable, uh, but did not win, even though his co-star, Nick Chen, did win. So that film got mostly technical awards because you know very impressive sets and the camera work and cinematography those stuff actually are quite well quite well done um midnight after which won the the best film at the hong kong film Critics society awards last month uh it's number three with eight nominations uh best director Bet fu chan best film uh best screenplay uh, which is based on the novel um best visual effects which also which it also won at the golden horse award last year um and i think that's currently a favorite to win best picture because of the the the, the momentum from the film critic society um peter Ch- uh, pan ho Chun's, uh aberdeen uh got seven nominations which I, I believe is the most number of nominations that a pan ho Chun film has ever gotten because the hong kong film award committees seem to not like Pan Ho Chun's films very much. Um, it got seven. It's nevertheless, it got seven nominations, um, including best film, best screenplay. Um, let me look here. Best uh, best supporting actor, Mandat, which is a welcome surprise. Um, a, a few technical awards. Uh, best new actor, the for Jessica Choi. Uh, the the woman who plays uh, Eric Jung's mistress in the film, but surprisingly. Or perhaps not so, not quite surprisingly, if you know Hong Kong Film Awards uh, uh, history, no Best Director nomination for Pan Ho Chun. Instead, that slot went to uh, Dante Lam for That Demon Within. Um, more surprises, um, Ivana Wong, who was uh, who played supporting role in uh, Golden Chickens. I don't know if you remember. Um, she was also in uh, Break Up One Hundred as a uh, the 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 cashier of a local Chao Chan Tan. She alone scored three best new best new actor nominations for three different films: Golden Chickens, um, uh, Break Up One Hundred, and Patrick Kong's Delete My Love. And she also scored an additional best supporting actor no- actress nomination for Golden Chickens, which means she's been nominated twice for the same film and a total of four awards. Uh, bit of a surprise, um, and but you know she was quite 
quite um uh she did catch the spotlight in golden chickens she has one of the best moments in the film if you remember uh the one with the ronald chen cameo so so it's not it's, you know she's pretty much a, a lock to win that award i believe um we also have um fiona sid who won a best supporting actress for girls uh, i believe this is her second acting nomination i have to double check um, not too sure about that. Also, double nominee Lao Ching won. In addition to Over Her Three, he also had a have um has a best um, new actor nomination for Insanity, a, the upcoming thriller that co-stars Huan Xiaoming. The director of that film, David Lee, also got a best new director nomination. Um, any 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 other awards that that you're curious or any other film that you're curious about, Paul? That you want to know about how it did? Um, any mention of uh, <clears throat> Herman Yao? Herman Yao's uh, Sarah <clears throat> only only scored a Best Supporting Actress nomination for Charlene Choi, which is a uh, which is I think what Emperor Films won anyway. They were pushing Charlene's uh, uh, role, which is apparently quite risque for her, uh, considering her reputation as a as a pop star. Um, that that film only got a Best Actress nomination. Uh, the film opens on March fifth, I believe. So just right after the nominations come out and before the actual awards. All right. Well, it looks like we have a lot of stuff to think about and to look forward to, and uh, perhaps the possibility of a future discussion on the Love Hong Kong Film Awards as well. Yes, I think this certainly steers the um, the direction on on uh, a a the, the certain awards called the Love HK Film Awards that I may or may not be a part of. Um, but that was certainly, I think, these you no know, seeing these what 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 are being recognized this year uh, certainly will steer the conversation or will start uh, a conversation between the the committee and talking about what are really the best films of the year. For example, are we going to nominate the four final battle for best action, just like the Hong Kong Film Awards committee did? Hmm. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll keep you abreast of what's going on with uh, Film Awards as we get more information on them. Uh, Kevin, you also have some more information about the Hong Kong International Film Festival that's uh, coming up in the not-too-distant future. Yes, uh, the Hong Kong International Film Festival comes starts on March 23rd, and finally the... Um, the Film Festival Society has started announcing some of its films. The first announcement is that this year's filmmaker in focus, um, that's Sylvia Chang. Um, Sylvia Chang, as you know, it's an actress and a director who's worked between uh, Taiwan, who's quite active in both Taiwan and Hong Kong and sometimes mainland China. Uh, she also served as the vice chairman of the festival from 2010 to 2013. Uh, she left last year, and then she's now the chairman of the Golden Horse Awards. Anyway, she has um, she's this year's filmmaker in focus, and the festival will play um, thirteen films that she's either acted in or directed. And that includes the world premiere of her new film, Murmur of the Hearts, which stars the, is a long awaited comeback of Isabella Lern. Uh, and Joseph Chang and uh, Lawrence Koh, those three actors. Uh, main is a film that was shot in Taiwan, I believe, uh, and it, it's being released in Hong Kong in April. But before the theatrical release in Taiwan and Hong Kong, the Hong Kong Film Festival will host the world premiere. Um, it will also show some some of Chang's other works, including Tempting Heart, uh, I believe. Um, Run Papa Run might be one of them. Uh, of course, some of the old films, including a Edward Yang film that she's acted in. Uh, um, 
in a couple of classics. So it's a good it's a good mix of both her acting and her directorial, just to give a whole a very wide um view of her career and of course and i think after um the premiere one of the screenings of her new film she will be doing a seminar at the festival at the cultural center uh on april 5th i believe so this year is all about sylvia chang um paul but what do you think about uh sylvia chang's works do you like her better as an actress or do you like her better as a director um yeah i think i prefer her more as an actress um i mean uh, i I that's how I sort of came into Hong Kong film, watching uh, you know some of the works that she did, especially some of the comedic work, and so I always liked seeing her, um, you know, uh, in front of the camera. Though I, she's really got talent behind the camera too. I'm certainly not knocking her um, for that, but uh, I tend to find some of her stuff a little bit heavy-handed, like uh, Tempting Heart and uh, and some of the other ones. Um, and I, I think if Probably the the film that I can go back to uh, and rewatch a, a bit more than some of her other works is uh, Princess D. Ah, uh, the one that's co-directed by uh, I believe Ellen Yuan, the director of yeah. Firestorm. Yes, uh, not not a great film, but it, it was one that I always thought was you know very interesting with uh, some of the <coughs> themes that they were playing with in that. And uh, it's an early film of uh, both Daniel Wu and Angelica Lee uh, and Edison Chan. And Edison Chan, yeah. And uh, Anthony Wong dances. Oh, yeah. He does the tank. He's a dancing instructor in the film, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my, I, I want, actually, I quite like Tempting Heart. <laughs> Tempting Heart, when it came out, you know, when I was in, when I was growing up, uh, I was in high school or middle school at the time. So, you know, seeing that romance to, to you know, love stories and to done so such a realistic way and you start, it kind of shapes one's idea you know of modern relationships i think to watch it at that time uh in that period of my life so for me i actually tempting heart is quite a formative film for my for my in my history Hmm. so so i always kind of have a soft spot for that film yeah i i i just i all i all i remember was uh the the karen mock and uh kenishiro uh having hate sex basically (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> kind of sure can have hate sex with anyone he wants because <laughs> you know why because Takeshi Kaneshiro who the hell would hate Takeshi Kaneshiro during sex oh <laughs> uh, well uh, yeah so I'm gonna get in trouble or not <laughs> it's a <laughs> yeah no I, you know it's, it's again again for me uh, just the preference is I, I like seeing uh, some of her earlier stuff uh, where she, she's an actress but I again, I don't want to take away from her director ability. I think she's great. Um, usually, I end up liking the films that she does, but they're just they they tend to be a a bit more artistic and and deep for for my taste. And uh, perhaps I I just like lighter fare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So um, yeah, we'll have some other. I mean, because Hong Kong International Film Festival is coming up pretty soon, just a couple of months off. And uh, we'll have a lot of news coming out from that. And uh, I, I guess you're going to be probably booking uh, about 100 films and seeing about 20 of them, right? <laughs> I like that percentage. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was going to be, I was going to book about 200 movies, buy tickets for all the movies, and then show up to maybe 10. Yeah. If, I, if, I, you know, if, I, if I sleep well one night. Yeah, so if you're going to be in the Hong Kong area for the International Film Festival, drop us a line and maybe you can... Uh, hook up and uh, watch a film with Kevin or miss a film with me. 
Yeah, yeah, come come watch an indie Chinese movie or indie uh, uh, movie from Turkey or something, <laughs> which I did. I did watch a whole week of Turkey Turkish films uh, last year during the Hong Kong Asian Film Festival. So, so don't think I won't do it. As opposed to me staying at home and just watching a whole week of Turkey's really bad <laughs> movies. Um, all right, last bit of news we have this week. Uh, the Running Man is a big hit in China. So my question is, you know, Arnold making a comeback? I mean... What's up with this? I, I know it's a joke, right? <laughs> uh, Running Man, as you know, Paul, I hope, because, you know, you got to be up with it, with the young people, the hip. Wait, wait, you young... mean this isn't the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the future oh, where, no. you know, the guy from uh, the, the, the old host of, a, uh, what was that game show? Um, I can't remember the name of it. Dude, that's before I was born. Rich, Richard, his name was Richard something. Uh, he was on Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> I can't do it, man. I can't catch up with you with that one. Generation no, it, gap. Generation gap. Yep, generation um, gap. No, this Running Man is the uh, South Korean variety show, the game show. Come on, you must know. You gotta know. He's in the. He's in those. Those. The, the, the guy, the star from that Korean show, is in those uh, candy commercial on t- Hong Kong TV right now. Huge, huge. The, uh, the if fruit, it's, if it's not, if it's not the My Love from the Stars, I don't know it. Sorry. That's okay, it. don't worry. I don't watch the show either, <laughs> but but at least I. <laughs> Running Man is a, is a huge, huge, uh, insanely popular uh, South Korean game show. Uh, what it does is that it, it pits um, it, 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 every week. I think these celebrities go out on location, and there are set set bunch of stars every week. But then each week they they invite uh, several stars and they play like these missions. Outdoors. So think about it as the Eric Zung game show, but outdoors and Eric Zung actually plays the games instead of, you know, standing there and laughing at the people doing it. Um, but anyways, a huge hit in Korea and, also, and even more popular in China. So, of course, there was going to be a Chinese remake of it. And this is an official remake, thankfully. Um, and thanks to the synergy of uh, Hawaii Brothers and, and their talent agency and, you know, all those stars, the China version actually managed to get a pretty decent cast, which includes Den Chao. You may remember and from the four trilogy is actually a huge actor he had a huge hit last summer called the breakup guru starring him and Minnie yang um so Deng Chao is the leader of the of the china cast also includes angela baby um ryan jang uh who was in a hit film called x files um last year uh wan cho lam hong kong's uh, tvb's wan cho lam and a couple more, uh wan bao chang also one of them and the, the, the film, I mean, the, the TV show was such a hit that they immediately whipped up a film version of the game show, which was shot over several days and then um, put together. And so it was with the same was, cast? With this, most of the same cast except for Dan Chow. Uh, Dan Chow, I think he has scheduling conflicts, but he will be in the second season of the show. But yes, most of that cast, uh, the TV cast was, and, and in addition to a few guest stars, including um, one of the cast members of the original Korean version, um, Yvonne Shea from uh, Tiny Time series, um, and uh, I believe Lin Hong, um, uh, who, was in, who was in a lot of Pegasus film comedies and was er- ex-former Aaron Kwok's girlfriend. Um, I believe she's also a guest star in this version but anyway the film opened last week in china and it was a huge hit it made um i'm looking at my own box office report here um that over three days from friday to sunday it earned 252 million renminbi which is um oh i'm sorry wait sorry 229 million renminbi which is yeah 36.5 million us dollars um from about seven 
1.14 million emissions over three days. So it's a pretty huge hit, and this only it only did slightly worse than the Chinese version of Where Are We Going, Dad, which is also the remake, the film version of a remake of a South Korean variety show that has a lot of celebrities and their kids, and they go on reach retreats. Um, and that was only, and that was only only that only did better because it was released during the New New, New Year holidays, and it wasn't a holiday weekend last weekend in China, which is you know. So for for like a regular workday weekend is a pretty impressive um, uh, a number. So that kind of begs the question. A lot of the the film people in in China they're saying, um, "Oh my god!" Like variety shows on the screen, but big screens are hit now. Everyone's gonna go watch variety shows in, in in movie theaters. Is that is that the way that Chinese cinema should go? And is that really healthy for the Chinese cinema industry. Um, so a lot of debate now on what, what constitutes something that can be shown in cinemas or what should be shown in cinemas. Should cinemas be a place for entertainment or is should we go back to the traditional definition of cinema, which is that films are art and that you know only dramatic fictional narratives um, uh, or documentaries that are quote-unquote worthy of being shown in cinemas be shown in cinemas. Uh, and I think that's an interesting debate, sort of. Um, I mean, my view is that the industry is always evolving, and even just, uh, just as I was looking up these box office stuff um, last weekend, Game of Thrones was shown on IMAX in IMAX theaters in, uh, in the United States. So... Even in the United States, even in the West, where and even in Hong Kong, when we're starting to watch live concerts becoming a big thing in cinemas, or watching um, a, a, a stage plays have become a thing in cinemas. What is the definition of what can be seen in cinemas? It, it you know, I mean, it's a very interesting debate. And what do you think, Paul? Do you think variety shows, even though they're running feature film links, do they have a place in cinemas anywhere in the world? Well, uh, you know, part of me wonders why this hasn't come to Hong Kong yet. I mean, you've got a very clear Hong Kong connection with Wong Cho Lam and, and Angela Baby. Um, I don't recall seeing anything about the TV show running here yet. Um, and I would think that if they were, if the movie was equally successful, they would have already uh, brought this over. So is there something about it that's, you know, that Hong Kongers are averse to or... You think this is coming uh, in the future? The other part that is more in line with your question is um, the slow crawl of the emergence of reality television over here, um, mm -hmm. which is is starting to take hold in other channels. And that's really not a discussion for this show. But um, if it's going to make the jump to the big screen, that's kind of you know uh, worrying too. But I mean, I guess we've already kind of seen that with shows we've talked about elsewhere like um uh the cases and uh you know what's what's the what's that other series the uh, not the supernormal um the unbelievable the unbelievable yeah you know stuff like that is 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 kind of doing the same thing right i mean it's pulled from tv um and and put on the on the screen primarily because it's cheap um, that's right one of the main reasons but the thing okay well, uh, two two counterparts. But first of all, about your question about the show, um, where are we going? Dad did eventually 
air on Hong Kong's uh, pay TV channel, the TV pay vision, and the film did get a very very brief one week release. Um, the thing is, I think Hong Kong Hong Kongers Hong Kong audience still are still kind of averse. They're still kind of they still don't like to watch. Um, Chinese, especially mainland Chinese shows, is not very mainstream. I mean, there will always be a fans of it. Like, there are always like local people who watch The Voice of China that do singing shows, a bits of it, or there will be a bunch of people who watch the Chinese television dramas. But I think to a point of where they have to go pay to watch it in cinemas, I think that hasn't quite reached Hong Kong yet. So the Where Are We Going Dad um, film, or talk about the Unbelievable, or even the um, sorry, what was the other film? What was it called? Uh, the Cases. Yeah, the cases. Yeah. None of those films actually done particularly well in in cinemas because I think people Hong Kong audience still haven't um, they don't have a thing for watching TV here uh, on big screen. But of course, then it goes. We, we go back to to what I was talking about is that if the stage version of Frankenstein, the British show, uh, the one that's directed by Danny Boyle, it's been playing here for half a year now because it kept sell, it keeps selling out. Um, or or um, concerts of Japanese stars, pop star, which also also quite popular here. If those are you know deemed okay to watch in cinemas, then what's stopping the the film version of a variety show? Yeah, that's true. You know, it's all on a screen of some size or the other. Right. I think the the idea of what I think cinemas are, are cinema owners are being trying to be inventive and trying to recreate what. What can be seen on the big screen? Of course, a stage play. You know, you you watch it in a huge stage, um, a stage huge theater. You know, where the people are right in front of you, and of course, you get to take in some kind of grandeur of the stage, the grandiose designs of the stage. And in in the big screen experience, you kind of get that, right? Same for for concert, where watching on a big screen is is almost like a decompression of the original experience, which is a much much bigger venue. Um, so, so it's kind of taking something bigger and putting it in cinema where you go, you can kind of get it in a, in a condensed form or a smaller compressed form. But here, it's something that was originally small screen being blown up to, the, to, a, to, a, to a big screen. So I guess that's the argument, is that something that was originally designed for a small screen, should they be blown up in a big screen? So that, again, kind of goes back to revealing you know, what these quote-unquote cinema elites think about um the roles of cinema i think it's quite an interesting debate that's going on yeah you know it it, it, it kind of reminds me of some of the stuff they did in the 80s in the u.s where they took um some popular tv shows um like the original pilot for battlestar galactica and i want to say they did it for the gil gerard uh, buck rogers show and i think they threw those up on the screen uh as movies um, and, and had, they had like limited theatrical runs as well. Um, you know, I guess if they figure there's money in it, of course they're going to do it. And, but I mean, the main thing is with these reality TV shows or, you know, battle of the superstars, whatever, they're cheap to make compared to, you know, getting a, a film with a cast, a, a, you know, a big cast of actors and directors and special effects and post-production and all that stuff thrown in. Um, you're going to save a lot of money if you're going to get the audience out there to go and see it. So. Yeah, so yeah, it's a money making venture and makes a lot more money than say um, selling ads on on television or even uh, to the point selling rights to to you know not many broad- let's face it not many overseas broadcasters are buying up buying up Chinese television shows um, maybe Chinese television dramas so I guess it's one way for companies to make money and maybe it's that sort of you know. 
the 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 openness or the clear the obviousness of 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 what film uh, companies are doing that's kind of angering the audience and i think it's a very interesting development that you know we'll keep an eye on here and you know hey if the running man's popular now's a prime time to dust off the old arnold schwarzenegger movie and throw it back out into the cinemas and uh, richard dawson was the guy's name uh who's the he's like the game show host in that and he was the host of uh family feud back in the day so that'll take you back i'm dating myself now i shouldn't do that (laughs) (laughs) all right i think that's gonna wrap it up for news thank you kevin from the news desk let's take a short musical interlude and we'll be back to talk about my review of the gigolo let's party Okay, so this week's film, Category 3, as I said at the start, you've been warned uh, that we will be talking about adult subject matter uh, for this film. So if there are little ones in the room, you might want to scurry them off or listen to this at a later time. So, The Gigolo. Uh, this is a film from uh, director Ao Chuck Man, if I'm saying that correctly. This is his directorial debut. doesn't have a long list of credits uh, to his name. worked as a writer for Lang Kwai Fong 3. And so now has made the jump to the director's chair. Um, other names involved with the production, uh, produced by Aman Chung, who is somebody, if you look at the, the filmography, uh, has probably worked or acted in or been in some crew position uh, on a film that you've seen at some point if you've watched any Hong Kong films in the past uh, three decades. Uh, and he is the upcoming director for the uh, Chinese New Year film From Vegas to Macau 2. Um, so he's not the director here, he's the producer, but uh, he's still quite active and uh, active on some bigger films. Um, mainstream films, not just uh, Category 3 stuff as we're seeing here. So uh, there's a little bit of uh, mystery around this film too. It is uh, produced by... Wang Jing's company, although reportedly Wang Jing has stepped away and, and kind of remo- taken his name off from this. Um, we th- don't want to get too much into the reasons why, but there's a bit of controversy around uh, director producer Wang Jing because of some of the events that happened last year during the Occupy movement and statements that were made and, and stuff like that. Um, but uh, needless to say, this movie does kind of feel uh, like a Wang Jing movie um, in, in many ways and shapes and forms, um, particularly because of some of the humor uh, that's thrown in, and we'll, we'll get into that uh, in turn. Let me do a really quick synopsis of the film itself. So it's a pretty standard fare for this kind of thing, the gigolo, or ah, Wong, as the Chinese is, uh, is titled. The idea is a d- duck king, or as the, the idea of a duck is a sort of a male... Uh, sex worker and so uh, Dominic Ho is a starts off as a secondary school student named Fung he's young he's well endowed and he ends up working for his aunt's sort of PR club which is a sort of a a male-based PR club uh, as a gigolo and he's doing so to just try and make ends meet literally as it were and (laughs) uh, he does this uh, in part because his mom is a single mother 
Uh, his father's not really in the picture, and he's trying to make you know life easier for her. Uh, in an effort to become better at this profession, he seeks out a gentleman by the name of Absin, played by uh, Pal Sin Lapman. And he is considered the king of gigolos, and he has much to teach young Fong. And as Fong rises to the top of his profession, he strikes up a relationship with a young film director uh, named uh, Cole. And she uh, basically, she doesn't know that what he does as his uh, night job, we might say. And so things become a little bit complicated when an, uh, an obsessive client, played by Candy Yun, Yun Kaman, uh, threatens to expose his secret professional life. And there's a lot more subplotting that goes on. There's a lot of sexy time that goes on. Uh, but basically, that's the plot in a nutshell. And uh, from there, there's some twists and turns that I don't want to reveal because that would be spoiling uh, a bit too much. So, uh, yeah, Category 3 film means we get some sexy time. And uh, I'll talk about why that's really significant for this film uh, in particular compared with recent Category 3 films we've had in the past couple years. But right from the get-go, I mean, right in the opening scene, we get side wang or dong <laughs> or I don't know what you want to call it. You've heard of side boob? Well, they give a side wang. Um, and uh, what, what can I say? Really? I mean, as I said, Young Fung is well endowed, okay? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it was real. Or prosthetic. <laughs> if it's real, Dominico, you're a very lucky man. If it's prosthetic, I feel bad for you. I mean, because imagine the meeting you're sitting in. It's like you're sitting there with the director, producer, the writers, and like, all right, Dominic, let's see your goods. Sorry, you don't cut it. We're going to throw a big rubber prosthetic thing in there for this shot, right? Um, you know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering... You know, being a fly on the wall during that kind that kind of a meeting, it's like, um, you know, how would that make you feel as an actor uh, or as a performer, knowing that you're being replaced by special effects? Uh, but of course, that's nothing new. We've seen that kind of thing done in, uh, you know, Sex and Zen 3D and and these these kinds of films. They're always uh, alluding to <clears throat> the, the size of the the male protagonists quite often. Uh, we do get a similar side shot again a little bit later of the aforementioned member uh, in a cast when uh, un the unfortunate actions of some very bad guys uh, slightly damage uh, or some very bad actions slightly damage Fung and he has to go undergo some medical treatment for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, right from the beginning, um, they establish this character uh, as a successful uh, you know, player kind of, you know, very young, driving a fast car. There's kind of a Marilyn Monroe shot as he races by and, you know, blows this young young girl's uh, skirt up, uh, breaks the fourth wall right away with some narration, speaking directly out to the camera about his profession. Uh, but then it kind of jumps back in time. We meet the Fung character when he's young and he's in secondary school. He has a super hot girlfriend played by... Um, uh, Jolie Fanleng, uh, who's a mainland model, pseudo model actress, I guess. Um, and, uh, very quickly the two of them decide to get serious. And of course you're with your girlfriend and you're talking about, you know, it's going to be your first time. So what do you do? You throw on 33D Invader. 
<laughs> this is yeah. the film that every girl wants to lose her virginity to, right? Uh, yeah. So, so um, I'm, I'm not sure what the, uh, maybe, maybe it's a production company connection or why they chose that film in particular, but uh, yeah, they've got it right there on the screen. So you're watching a movie within a movie as uh, the two of these, you know, these two young teenagers, although they look nothing like teenagers, um, are really trying to, you know, uh, be together for, for the first time. Um, but from there, things start to, you know, go uh, a little bit awry for Fong um, as things financially are not going well for his family. So he ends up, as I said, um, going to work for his aunt's uh, PR company. Um, so aside from the initial uh, male shots, of course, this film is famous because we do get to see uh, the good side of the actress Candy Yun at a point later in the film. Uh, but probably if you have any kind of connection to the internet and you have any kind of interest in Hong Kong movies, this is already old news because this footage has been circulating around the internet um, all over the place for weeks now, I guess. Um, so, it, you know, if, if that's the only thing you wanted to see... <laughs> You don't need to go watch the movie, but it's a fun movie. I'm here to tell you. So if you've already seen that, go see the rest of the movie for the craziness, like the sidewang and and some of the other stuff that's going on. Uh, but I do want to say kudos to her because uh, as a true Hong Kong actress, she's kind of breaking, broken a long conservative streak of local actresses who refused um, to do these kinds of roles and and to. Uh, do nudity. Um, we've talked about this previously with films like Sex and Zen 3D, where there have been shortcuts or where they've brought in actresses from overseas, um, you know, to uh, to take off clothing and and to do these shots. Um, so uh, you know, it's it's nice to see that uh, a little bit of that conservatism is is being pushed back. Now, will this set a trend? Um, that's perhaps something that uh, can be an ongoing discussion. Um, for future movies, uh, they thought that uh, with Sex and Zen 3D a couple years ago, because it did so well, it was going to lead to this revival of, of the Category 3 uh, industry. I don't. I, I think that was a little bit uh, over-optimistic. Um, I don't think that's truly happened. I mean, we've had uh, some other Category 3 films come out since then, uh, but it hasn't been sort of a, a dynamic revitalization of, of that particular industry. But will this, you know, inspire other young local actresses to, um, you know, uh, brace up and get some courage and decide that they're going to, you know, uh, go against the trend and, and go out there and face the brutality of the paparazzi and, and all the negative uh, reports that will come out about them afterwards? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, kudos to her. Um, but be prepared because you get an equal amount of butt shots from both. Uh, Dominic and Tony Ho, who also stars in the film. Woo! So yeah, so there's going to be a lot of a uh, lot of butt time in in this movie uh, to you know to uh, give give some beefcake. I mean, hey, Dominic Ho, he's he's uh, he's he's pretty toned. I mean, he's not as toned as uh, Eddie Pang for sure, but uh, you know he's he's got some serious beefcake going on. So there's plenty of there for the ladies um, to look at. Um, so what else? Yeah, uh, the theme song for this movie. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't remember. I, I think it's called "I Have a Gun." Uh, the credits went by so fast, I couldn't really write it down. I tried to look for it. I'm gonna try and play a clip of it um, 
just here uh, for you guys to listen to, but I don't have the whole song. I just have an excerpt taken off of the uh, making of video. But the lyrics, he has a gun, he has a big gun. seriously uh, could you be any more uh, literal with your lyrics so uh look for the soundtrack coming soon or not but uh you know, that's <laughs> that's the way this movie goes in terms of dealing with the issue and dealing with music um lots of lots of local star cameos though i've said this before i'm always surprised at the uh the the talent that comes into these movies and, and I, you know i guess it's a paycheck for a lot of people uh, but the willingness to come on and, and be in a Category 3 film in just sort of a minor, you know, normal role. Um, you know, we talked about this back when we talked about 33D Invader um, a couple years back. Uh, same idea here. You've got um, Elena Kong, who's the uh, who's his aunt running the brothel. Um, you've got Angelina Lo, uh, Lo Yun-Yan, who's his mom. Um, Ricky Yi, who comes in and, and plays his, his dad a bit later on, um, and some other people you'll recognize uh, throughout. And, and uh, there's a pretty strong cast of ladies as well. You've got, um, of course, the poster features uh, four women, including Candy Yun, um, uh, Jolie Fan Leng, um, and uh, a couple of the others. And but really the the only real nudity comes from uh, Candy Yoon. They have a couple scenes where there's there's some sort of fragmented shots of of ladies, um, but you don't really see actresses uh, tied to those. But most of the other scenes that go on, most of the other intimate scenes, are done sort of Lan Kwai Fong style, where things are hidden, things are not being shown. Um, and I guess it's in part because the contracts of those performers deemed that they did not want to, um, be naked on camera. Um, and that's sort of been the trend for, I mean, the Lang Kwai Fong films have been financially successful and the young people seem to, you know, be going to those and those are able to push that two B and three boundary. And so here you're kind of just on the other side of that boundary with the, the category three rating. Um, so yeah, the, Lots of star cameos to look for. Um, the part of the part of the issue, uh, some of the, some of the humor that comes in um, in different places. Some of it's funny, some of it works. So there's an opening scene uh, where the character's talking, but then he's actually um, you think he's alluding to one thing, but then he's actually talking about something else, uh, which turns out to be quite funny. Um, there's some scenes at the school um, where he's a secondary school student and he's getting bullied uh, by these other kids. Of course, you know he's he's the good he's the good uh, uh, the good seed, if you will. Um, but the dean of the school is a woman, and she just always seems to be hanging right outside the boys' locker room, uh, waiting to just come in whenever some trouble starts. She's just like right there, and she has no other job just to wait right outside the boys' locker room so she can uh, burst in on a moment's notice. Oh, oh, she's a disciplinary um, disciplinary person at school, not the dean, which not is the, why. Okay. Yeah. Even so, I mean, come on. It's <clears throat> not going to be in her office. She's going to be right there, right? right no, she the just want to hang out near Fung. You know, yeah, that's not, well, let's see. That's that's something I thought they were going to they were going to allude to at some point. They never really kind of went in that direction, though. 
Um, but Fung himself is too good as a character. He is like the ultimate good kid, good student, you know, respects his girlfriend, all that. He just, you know, because of financial reasons, he gets sucked up into this world. And initially when he starts, for example, when he starts having clients, even though he's well endowed, he can't get it up right? Because he's not into them. So he has to start fantasizing about his girlfriend uh, in order to, you know, get a reaction you know, for, for his clients. Um, there's a scene where the two of them have a pack of uh, ketamine uh, or kajai as they call it. <laughs> and and, and, and they, 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 he's like, you want to try it? And she's like, no, I'm not going to try it. You try it. I'm not going to try it. You know, it's kind of like the old Mikey life cereal commercial. And yeah, but, nothing comes of that scene. Like, yeah, it's do like, it, they, like they, they, they both like do a little sniff and then they decide, eh, we don't need it. We're going to dump it, you know? Um, so they're just, he, he's too good. He's too, he's too perfect kind of throughout um, as a constructed character as, you know, um, cause he's got, you know, the physicality, he's got no vices. He's got, he's got nothing wrong with him really. Just he's, he's poor and he's well endowed. So, you know, you got to use the, the God given gifts, I guess. Um, at some point, there's sort of a film within a film aspect. Um, as I mentioned in the synopsis, he ends up striking up a relationship with this young filmmaker who wants to make a film about the uh, king of gigolos, basically, and wants him to be uh, the lead actor. And so this kind of goes, gets pushed along uh, as sort of a parallel to his actual life for a little while. Um, and, and yeah, there's a human sushi table. I mean, what's up with that, people? <laughs> I mean, I, I I think I remember seeing this for the first time in uh, I think it was a Brandon Lee and uh, Universal Soldier guy. What's his name? Uh, Jason Scott Lee. No, 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 no. Uh, Brandon Lee and um, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky was it Rocky Four? The I'll break you guy. Um, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> yeah, Dolph Lundgren. They did a movie together. I want to say Showdown in Little Tokyo is the name of it and i think that's in that movie is the first time i saw the human sushi table of course it's commonly done where the female is the human sushi table it's also my part-time job when i'm not writing okay too much information Ken. <laughs> okay, yeah way too much no um but no they do that here you, you you if you look at the trailer you'll see the trailer they go for a gag shot um in the trailer um with one of the elderly clients you know, it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of gross. I mean, could I, I just couldn't, even even an attractive young lady could not imagine. I mean, sushi is like such a, it's so easy to get bacteria and, and you can get sick from, I mean, it's got to be perfectly prepared and then you're going to take it and stick it on somebody. Okay. I, I, uh, clearly you don't eat a Genki yeah. sushi very often. <laughs> Anyway, all right. It's so, so sacred. They, <laughs> as I said, yeah, it's stuff like this. You know, they they, they go for some humor. Uh, some of it's good. Not all of it works, but a lot of it's entertaining. Um, but when you compare this film up with films of the genre, okay, so let's go back to some of the classics, you know, the Simon Yam films, uh, Hong Kong Gigolo, Gigolo and Horror. Um, it's got a lot of the same plot beats. I mean, you know that at a certain point, you know, there there's... There's the young up-and-coming kid. There's usually some, like, you know, old Ben Kenobi Jedi, you know, who's been doing it for years, and he's got the Force and all this stuff going on. Um, so a lot of those same beats are here. You know that at some point, all the greatness of it is, you know, the, the other sh the, some shoe's going to drop, 
at some point and things are going to go haywire. So all of that kind of uh, ends up you know, taking place. Um, so if you enjoy those kinds of films, you know, if you've, if you've enjoyed those, I think you'll enjoy this one. Again, it's not, a, doesn't cover really any new territory. You've just got basically new, a bunch of new faces, uh, doing these roles. And, um, it's also most of the, I mean, again, there's like two or three scenes with Candy Yoon, um, but m almost all the other scenes are Lan Kwai Fong style, um, with none of the other lead actresses you know, truly taking anything off. Um, there's there's a pretty steamy scene with um, veteran actress Winnie Lung, who um, isn't even featured on the poster, but she has a pretty lengthy sort of training scene uh, with Dominic Ho. Um, that, that's uh, that's pretty good, I would say. I mean, for a for a non uh, naked time scene, I would say. Um, so yeah, entertaining if you're not averse to category three films at all. I mean, I know that these kinds of movies are not for uh, everybody, um, but, and, and I, I usually consider myself in that camp. I find, you know, I think a lot of entertaining, uh, a lot of category three films typically don't make an effort. You know, they're just kind of built around the nudity. And I would say this one's not, this one does make an effort to at least be funny at times to tell a story. Um, even though it's not really a new story. Um, it does kind of get batshit nutty, excuse my language, uh, <laughs> towards the end with uh, some of the things that happen. Uh, but even so, it's, um, you know, I, again, you've got a pretty a pretty decent supporting cast, and uh, it's, it's I, I had fun watching it. So I'd say definitely one to look up if you're not, uh, if you don't mind the naked time. I guess also we could probably talk a little bit about... Uh, news on the film. So the film itself is doing pretty well. Um, according to one news article I have here, uh, in the first four days, it's taken in around 300 million Hong Kong dollars. No, no, not 300. No? no oh, sorry, 3 million. Uh, sorry, 3 million Hong Kong dollars. I'm getting my no, zeros. No, it's 2, uh, what I have is 2 million, actually. 2 million, okay. So 2.3 million, which is, which is still very impressive, actually, for four days. Yeah. Um, considering that it opened local cinemas at first, they didn't give it many showings. Um, when we, when I was going with a friend of the show, Tim Young's, um, the initial Dynasty show times only gave it three shows a day, mm -hmm. I believe. By the time we went on Sunday, which is the fourth day, they had added two showings. So then they moved the show times around so that they could fit in five showings of the film. Yeah, I went on the Friday before and, um, for a Dynasty show, it was pretty full, I would say, um. Maybe not quite as full as as the time we watched the uh, Sexons and 3D, but pretty close. And normally, um, for a newly opened show of the Dynasty, um, especially daytime show, it's not anywhere near that full. So uh, doing fairly well. And again, I guess we could say that uh, if it's making money, you know, maybe the powers that be, Wang Jing or whoever will. Uh, want to try and you know uh, have a repeat of this and and uh, you know maybe some young actresses out there will also want to um, follow suit but uh, we'll have to wait and see all right i think that's going to uh, wrap it up for this show any final thoughts that you have gavin no i think we had a pretty uh, uh lengthy show yeah Long, no pun, way too long. We gotta no cut this down. Intended. We need some some side <laughs> silhouette of the show's length just to see how long it is. Yeah, uh, right. we'll, we'll, we'll we'll have to try and trim it down a bit. Um, <laughs> I 
I think it, it might have a little extra. Never mind. I'm not even going. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, you have been listening to the East Screen podcast. If you would like to be part of the Unfortunately show. Unfortunately, so. <laughs> if you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us uh, via the website at Kongcast.com. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at Kongcast.com, and you can drop us an email uh, at eastscreen at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Kevin, where can folks keep up with you and all of your exploits at? Well, um, for a daily feed of the latest Asian film news, come and read me on Film Business Asia. And that's www.filmbiz.asia. Again, that's www.filmbiz.asia. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I am known as the Golden Rock. That's one word, the Golden Rock. Um, and I guess I'm on like, if you can find me, you can find me on the other social media. I'm on like Instagram and, and like like WeChat and all that other stuff. So, all right, yeah, that sounds good. And, uh, oh, and I guess if you want to email me, I'm at uh, um, the show is eScreenGmail.com, or you can email me personally uh, if you want to get autograph picture of, of Dominic Ho or something. Um, <laughs> I don't know him, but you know, ask me <laughs> at Kevin Kevin at Fimbiz. All right, so yeah, we'll uh, have to make sure you're. Inboxes flooded. Start our next show. So all of that on more and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Green Podcast saying, "Don't eat sushi off a dude." And especially me. Yeah. We'll see you next time. <laughs> see you next time, everybody. East Green Podcast.